is a podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Holy cow. The 2016 elections on a federal level is really mostly over except for some runoffs that are going to take place in December. But at the top of the ticket, a stunner for a great number of Americans, the 45th president of the United States will be Donald J. Trump. Yep. It is the most shocking outcome for so many, and I keep saying for so many because... I just had some skepticism about the polling that was released and that we had continued to hear and looking at some of the electoral map things. And I had so many conversations with friends of mine about this. And, you know, it's just interesting. I I guess I better introduce myself again. Uh, Welcome back to the Clay Young Show here on podcast225.com. As luck would have it, I'm Clay Young working on about three hours, maybe two and a half hours of sleep. But it's all good. It's all good. And we appreciate you listening. We always say the same thing every week. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. Hit that subscribe button. And if you follow us on social media, at ClayYoungBR on Twitter. I got to get those numbers up a little bit more. And on Facebook, backslash ClayYoung. You can follow what we say about the show there. And of course, you can always email me as well at Clay at podcast225.com. That's Clay at podcast225.com, home of the Waiting Room podcast with Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue and Katie Fetzer, heard the first and last Wednesday of every month. And uh, the show coming up later this month is going to be a doozy. It's going to be a doozy. I'll just leave it there. The Wednesday after Thanksgiving is one you just want to hear. Uh, This week, as we record, Veterans Day is Friday. We want to say thanks to all of the men and women who have served our great country and our armed forces. We appreciate your great sacrifice and the sacrifices made by your families. Thank you so much. Now back to this election. This is kind of an almost immediate after the fact thought on what went on. John Kuvion and I are going to dig into the and to the greater minutiae about this next week. And we'll talk in greater detail after we've had a chance to digest the numbers. Uh, like myself, Kuv is not working on a, a long amount of sleep. And so uh, you'll hear him here in studio with me in just a moment for a brief conversation. I got to tell you my initial thoughts about last evening's election range from I knew something was wrong with those numbers to the house just got flipped upside down. And I don't mean the literal house of representatives, although there's a little bit of that too. I think the political landscape as we once knew it is being shaken. Here's a guy who walks in with his own money and his own way of doing things with some ridiculous things that he's done along the way to try to lose this election crap that he has said, things that people have learned, and he still won. A couple of reflections. I think the turnout numbers 
among minorities will be key to find out when we can when we can hear them. And I think we will we will for a long time be talking about the impact the premium increases with the with with, with the I would say the Obamacare. I always try to call it the Affordable Care Act. Uh, the, all of the premiums with that going up, I think that had a great impact on what the public thought about this election. I really believe that. I think that hurt Secretary Clinton more than all of the email stuff that most people were tired of hearing about. And it's interesting that this happened this way because I also think the dishonesty of some of the pollsters should be exposed. I think some of the numbers that we heard from national outlets were gerrymandered. They were weighted in the way the polls were done. And I do not think you should trust what a lot of them have said to us for the past 15 years because so many of these national elections go against what these people are saying. And I just think that is the stone cold truth. That, that, that you know, they're not shooting us straight about a lot of these details. And it's playing out with the way these elections are going. And Trump is the president largely today because he went directly to crowds. He fired up his base his, with, with more energy. And I think the Clinton campaign hid Secretary Clinton so much during this election period. It was, it was just interesting to watch that play out. So, you know, I just... Like I said, it wasn't totally a shock as the night went on because some of the states that were waiting when you saw her taking Pennsylvania, when Florida went to Rubio the way that it did and he ended up winning Florida. I always thought he was going to win Ohio when he won North Carolina and he was so far ahead of her. And even if you added in the West Coast in California, she hadn't closed ground. I just said, Donald Trump's about to be president of the United States. He's about to be the president. And wow, there it is. So a quick conversation with John Cuvion is next here on The Clay Young Show. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. Clay Young here with Brian Lowe with Brian Lowe Financial. Brian, you have a passion, I see, to help people secure their financial futures. Where does that come from? Well, you know, they always say uh, find a financial planner that has a teacher at heart, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I played football, I played baseball, ran track. You yeah. Know, uh, you can't vote yourself to be uh, the guy that leads the team. Right. You know, everybody has to want to follow you. So I always had that ability early on in life. So Be a good leader. Be a good leader. So uh, here we are. It's uh, proven to be a good thing in financial planning. I love the passion of teaching. I love to get on the dry erase board and draw the stuff out. <laughs> yeah. People are very visual. You, know, you can tell people something, but they don't get it. If you're married out there, you tell your husband three or four times you didn't get it, right? But the <laughs> point being is, I'm going to educate you, uh, get a plan to go for you, make it easy to understand, and make this very simple. 
It's not that hard. Let's make a simple income plan, retirement roadmap. Give me a call today. Nearly 20 years of helping people secure their financial futures. Call this man and learn about him at brianlowfinancial.com. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. Well, we are back with John Cuvion. We've probably got a combined five hours of sleep between the two of us after Election Day 2016. I think the word that best describes Election Day, and I've heard it a lot the last uh, few hours, has been stunning. Stunning in a lot of ways. But I will also admit to you that, and I think John will agree, based upon the last couple of weeks, Maybe it's not as stunning as some would like you to believe based upon the trend that has existed. So, John, how are you, bud? Surviving. Surviving. <laughs> that's right. On uh, on caffeine and being delirious. Yes. Uh, absolutely. So we're going to get to some of the local stuff here to talk about it. You know, we, we will take a few days to digest some of the after action information that comes out. And, you know, we're going to do this again. But in the inter but in the immediate, you know, present let's talk about the presidential election yes. and donald j trump being or soon to be the 45th elected president of these united states your first reaction at about 8 30 last night because that's when that's when the fit started to hit the shan if you know what i mean so so to for a little bit of context i was providing commentary last night on channel 33 and yeah. so once the polls closed in Louisiana, that kind of distracted me a little bit from mm-hmm. the national stuff. But the mm-hmm. thing that I'll tell you, when it really hit home to me that Trump might possibly win. So I had basically laid out a scenario of seven states that Trump had to carry just to get close to the finish line. Right. And I and I flippantly said, well, he's got to win Michigan or Pennsylvania, which will never happen. Mm-hmm. Well, lo and behold, as the night was going on, those seven states I mentioned, it was like Florida and Ohio mm-hmm. and Arizona, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. One by one, they kept flipping. Yep. And really, it it kind of hit home to me when I noticed that the more Democratic parts of Florida were almost finished voting, and Trump still had an 100,000-plus vote lead in Florida. Yep. yep. And I was like, wow. And then Ohio fell shortly after, and then all of a sudden we look up and we see Pennsylvania rapidly closing. And you see, from doing this kind of thing for years— I kind of know what comes in where and when. So in Pennsylvania, what always happens is the Democratic areas of Philadelphia, which are like five plus one, five to one, and then some for Democrats, right. they always report first, and the more rural areas report last. So in other words, the Democratic vote in Pennsylvania is front-loaded when results come in. Uh-huh. So the point of the story was, at the beginning, you know, Hillary Clinton had a several hundred thousand vote lead in Pennsylvania, and all of a sudden it was rapidly declining and once i saw that trump had crossed hillary i said wow that he's actually going to win pennsylvania Mm -hmm. in the election Mm -hmm. so i will admit it was a shock because from religiously analyzing the polls every day i saw that trump had gotten close but not over the finish line yeah and he was like five points behind in michigan six points behind in wisconsin which by the way was another one i did not expect Mm -hmm. for a minute Mm -hmm. So you had a lot of these states where Trump was close, but no cigar. I figured it was going to be a Hillary would have a two-point lead in the popular vote. Yeah. Probably get like, I think I said 275 to 253 in electoral votes in Hillary's favor. So I was, I will admit to you, I was stunned. You know, no one can say they absolutely knew. I mean, I guess maybe there are some people who had the 
who had the gut faith, as I call it, about the way this was going to go. But you can't really say you know based upon the science. But looking at all of the national polling and the way that the electoral map was laid out by many of the national pundits, it just didn't pass the smell test. Right. Every baseline poll that they gave started with her either just at or or already over the 270 mark in terms of the electoral count. And they were adding some toss-up states to her almost every time. And, you know, you don't know how it's going to break. We were talking about this off the air. North Carolina is much more Democrat and much more brown than it was in years gone by. Correct. And Trump won North Carolina. I told you when I saw that Marco Rubio won the way that he did, I knew that Trump had a puncher's shot because, as as you all know, a U.S. Senate race race is a statewide race. Yes. So it's almost a barometer of where the mood of the people you know, will be. And Marco Rubio caught trouble at home because of his fight with Trump. And I said, you know... He could win Florida because I always thought he was going to win Ohio. Right. And it just seemed like areas that you said it so eloquently earlier, some of the front loaded areas for her that would even show early as being so with her hadn't fallen for her. Right. And I think, too, the other the other part of the equation was even though there were those swing states I was watching for that one by one started falling for Trump. The other way I knew that this wasn't going to be the blowout election that those of the more liberal persuasion fervently uh-huh. believed yesterday, I was seeing massive Trump margins in Republican states. Yeah. Had there been a true blowout, then Trump might have been skating by with, say, a three-point lead in Mississippi or you know, being struggling to win Missouri or places uh-huh. like that. Uh-huh. But when I was seeing that Trump was winning these massive margins in these Republican states— it's like, okay, at best or worst, depending on your point of view, uh-huh. this was going to be a tight election. And so I immediately threw aside the notion that it was going to be a blowout election. Right. Plus, when Republican Senate incumbents started to survive, the biggest one was when uh, Evan Bayh fell in Indiana uh-huh. because he was the perfect epitome of the political class. Right. He was a former senator. For, for those who don't know, he was a former senator in Indiana presidential candidate uh, his dad was his dad was that's right okay so he was a former senator he had the family name kind of yeah. like the Landry's yeah. in yeah. Louisiana yeah well he made a very major mistake and that was he ran off to Washington uh, after the Obamacare vote he decided not to run for election at mm-hmm. the last minute he yeah. ran off to Washington to become a lobbyist well there's one small problem with that when you're in Washington for six years and all of a sudden the Democrats throw away their nominee and handpick you to be the replacement. You've been in Washington for six years being a lobbyist, probably having a driver's license, voter Uh registration card and all that. It's very, very easy to make fun of you as not being native and going Washington. Right, right. Despite the fact that Evan Bayh had like $9 million in his war chest. Uh So point being was he was the serious uh, Goliath in that Senate race. and But his poll numbers kept slipping and slipping and slipping. When he fell, like I thought he would last night, I said the Republicans have a chance of keeping the Senate. I didn't know how that was going to go, I will admit to you, because you didn't know what the mood would be. Tom Shedler and I talked about turnout here. Yes. And it was 
interesting. He said, you know, early voting, as you know, we had over a half million early voters, 515,000, I think was the number. It ended up being about 530 as of yesterday morning. So 530 early vote, 30,000 early voters, over 3 million registered voters in a state with only 4 million, four and a half million people. And I said to him, is it clear yet what's driving it? And, and he said, not really. Now, as a, as a point of fact for this, for people who are saying, well, you, well, look at the parties. Look at how, how many Democrats are voting, how many Republicans are voting. In 2016, that isn't the most accurate barometer anymore, especially in Louisiana, which is a state with lots of Democrats who've not voted Democrat in you know, a long series of elections. Right. It's still kind of a remnant of the old Deep South days. That's right. So party registration is not a pure indicator. Right. Unless, let's say, you're a younger. Mm-hmm. If you're younger. Millennial. You're, yeah, yeah, if you're millennial and you're registered Democratic, then no, you're are. voting Democrat. Right. Mm-hmm. Although really most millennials are, are more politically disaffected and vote independent, but that's, that's well, a, I, aside. I, it's good. I don't <laughs> think, I'm going to be curious to see what that millennial vote turnout was because I didn't, I don't think you can hang your hat on millennials getting out. No. Now, I will tell you what I thought was, it's easy to say hindsight 2020 that it was a, it was the death blow. And I, so, you know, I guess I won't be as dramatic as saying all of that, but I will tell you that it did a substantial bit of damage to her campaign. And no, I'm not even going to talk about the emails. It is the Affordable Care Act premium increases that people were made aware of a couple of weeks ago. I'm telling you, I've spoken to more people who are outraged at what they're getting ready to encounter. And I think that had an impact on Mrs. Clinton. Well, absolutely. Because the thing is, that's one of those things you really can't escape from. Nope. It's kind of like property taxes. It's like, you know, you got to pay the bill. And she never tried to address it. Right. She ignored it. And I kind of felt that Donald Trump mentioned it in passing, but he he could have, in my opinion, made a bigger issue. Well, he did early on. I don't think he stayed with it because he has the attention span of a gnat. I mean, he doesn't stay with anything for for longer than 30 seconds. But early on, when he when they were saying the premiums may go up 25 percent, he was one of the first ones saying 60, 70 and in some cases, 80 percent for some people. Right. And he was right about that. And that was validated that in some states it's going to be that high. That's real money to people. Right. And I guarantee you there was outrage about that by lots of people and they took it out on her yep. or they didn't go to the polls at all because they didn't trust that she would do anything with this. And the other aspect to it too is the fact that that is 100% a democratic issue. Yeah, that's right. And it's even though the technical name is the, you know, Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, everybody knows it's Obamacare. That's right. And the thing is Hillary Clinton was basically running as a third term of Barack Obama. Sure. And so you have this unpopular policy mm-hmm. and those premium increases, I mean, that's a painful thing where you open up the letter and all of a sudden you see the 70 percent increase. And, in, you know, do I buy insurance or do I, you know, not buy Christmas presents for the kids? Listen, this year? In some cases with retirees, you're talking nearly two thousand dollars a month. Wow. I mean, that's. Just just think about that. So how do you think people are going to react? And if you don't do it, you're going to end up being fined. And it's just it's a whole thing. It's a mess. You know, I, I want to spend some time talking about the local. And again, we still have to digest a lot of what's going on. And yeah, I think the numbers will, could could swerve us one way or the other. In my opinion, JC, I think all of the other races kind of went according to chalk. I thought it would be Kennedy and Foster Campbell in the runoff for the U.S. Senate. I thought Bustani 
was fighting to outflank Kennedy and Carolyn Fayard was fighting to get ahead of a Foster Campbell. Right. Um, so I, I, I think I think the Campbell Kennedy runoff is what I expected. Mayor's race locally, I thought Broom Bodie White, uh, you know, in uh, in terms of most of the council races, there were a couple of surprises in terms of not needing a runoff in some races, yeah. but pretty much according to chalk. And were there any surprises in your opinion? So I have a, I guess a, a, a more in-depth perspective of the Senate race. I okay. did, I did have the opportunity and one I'm very thankful for, I was able to run several polls for the Fleming campaign. Okay. And so I started polling for them in July. Nobody and, knew him. Right. Nobody knew him. And the thing that I saw throughout my polling for Fleming was that Bustani was a constant. Mm-hmm. In other words, he started off in the mid to upper teens and mm-hmm. he stayed there. Mm-hmm. And I think Bustani immeasurably damaged himself when he got into the back and forth with Kennedy over, you know, all the attacks and counterattacks. About killing hookers. Yeah. Yeah. It it was a place that Bustani, in my opinion, kind of descended a little too much. And so... I think he hurt himself. Both of our phones are going bananas this morning. He hurt himself by going there. And in my opinion, he never really got a a chance to establish a positive rationale for supporting him. And he's not good at mudslinging. I mean, and I and I I actually mean that as almost a backhanded backhanded compliment that that's really not his his style. Yeah, Uh, he's 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 an MD, a heart surgeon. So he's he's very monotone and controlled in his speaking demeanor. And mudslinging is just not his thing. Right. He's the cool, analytical doctor type. Right. So, you know, Bustani, to me, started off near the top of the field, but he never moved. Mm-hmm. Kennedy, I can tell you what happened was he started off high, but he waited very long to get on the air, and his numbers were starting to fall. But once he started spending money heavily, or really he and the ESA pack started spending money heavily in early October, I did see his numbers surge. And I've seen it over and over and over again in all the races I've ever worked, whether it be my candidate or the opponent. Once somebody surges, you cannot stop that running Mm-mm. train. Mm-mm. Fleming had a chance. What I think hurt him, however, was that I don't think his ads really showed Horrible. Yeah. As Charles Barkley would say, terrible. And so the ads did not really give him a chance to kind of, you know, give voters reason to support him. And in my opinion, I felt that he should have used his own voice in ads mm-hmm. because to me, voiceovers are so The Kennedy cliched. ads crushed everybody. Let's they, just call yes, it what funny. it is. They were the funny Kennedy ads crushed everybody. And I think they were clever. They were measured. He spoke at a cadence where you got everything he was saying, the clever nature of some of the lines, because yeah. he let you get the punchline. In the ad, the I believe ad where, you know, there are people who said, oh, man, could you say that in a political ad? Listen, not everybody is going to look at an election like you or I would. They vote on their gut. I like this guy. I don't like this guy. I like this lady. I don't like this lady. That's a big part of it. Right. And then the the conservative or liberal bromides that will happen in an election (laughs) are just kind of let you know, hey, you like me. And by the way, I think like you on either side. He did a lot of that. He is the most popular uh, elected official in the state right now is he not yes and the thing that the thing too is he already had some publicity from all the times he talks about his cost-saving ideas sure. or criticisms of the budget sure and so forth. even going back to bobby jendall so this isn't just a, a, a john bell edwards thing right it's a bipartisan he was thing greatly 
critical of the way Bobby Jindal ran, and he was right about it, ran budgetary matters. And, you know, I think the thing that's always important for those of us in the political world to appreciate is we may see an ad and laugh at it because we may say, well, I know what this person's really like, mm. and he's, he's full of you-know-what. Right. However, we always have to step back and say, wait a minute, what would the average voter who's watching TV— Bingo. Yeah, and, and by that standard— even though Kennedy got started late, in my opinion, once he started turning up the, the volume in terms mm-hmm. of expenditures, his numbers did surge because they were good ads and they were they were pretty well saturated the market. This uh, this Senate race is going to get dog butt ugly, though, in the in the runoff. It will. But I think Campbell's in serious trouble. Oh, no question. I'll tell you why. So one of the things I had noticed early on uh, during early voting was that black participation was way down relative mm-hmm. to 2012. Mm-hmm. And so the Kuvion theorem was, if after a <laughs> the week Kuvion theorem, I like it. <laughs> after a week of early voting, you could not get black participation up. What would be so different on November eighth? Right. So I actually ran some numbers, and this was part of the reason that I got a, a, a portion of that five-hour sleep that you and I have uh, <laughs> splitting it yes, here. Yeah, that's it, right. It, it probably truly was two and a half to two and a half, although it's probably Jeez. more like two for me and three for you. Man. But uh, so I so I ran some numbers last night with the precinct data, and what I estimated was that. Blacks ended up being in the 27 to 28 percent range for their percentage of the electorate. I Uh saw a seven-point turnout difference between white voter participation and Uh black. What the seven-point and the 27 percent means in plain English is this. Blacks are 31 percent of the registered voters. Uh In recent elections, if they are properly motivated, 30 to 31 percent is what they will represent the electorate. No doubt. For it to be 27 to 28, that several percentage point difference... But King. the top of the ticket was so awful for people. You you right. You can't ignore that. Now listen quickly. I want to get on to something else sure. here in, in the couple of minutes we got. The mayor's race, yes. pretty much according to chalk as we thought. But Baton Rouge, East Baton Rouge Parish, has been trending more and more Democrat in the last few election cycles. It has. Uh, Barack Obama won EBR twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hillary Clinton won EBR yesterday yep, by nine points. By nine points. Mary Landrew won EBR, even though she lost to Dr. Cassidy. Uh, John Bell did well here. Very well. Uh, so it's been trending Democratic. And so in the and if you combine Sharon Broom's numbers with Denise Marcel's numbers, if Denise voters are Sharon voters, that's 45 yes. percent of last night's turnout to Bodie White's 29 percent. Although I would add Smokey Bourgeois total to Bodie's. And I would probably put 60 percent of Delgado's with Bodie's as well on Republican Democrat politics, you know. I, you know, the, well, maybe not because he's, you know, but if that's the truth, though, John, if that was clearly an anti-St. George vote for Delgado, then that's going to be a broom vote in December. The Delgado vote, I would say, is kind of all over the political spectrum. It has yeah. a mixture of Republicans and liberals yeah. and so forth. But I do believe, however, that the combined total of the Delgado and the Gissel vote, mm-hmm. that is the swing vote. Mm-hmm. It is more moderate. Mm-hmm. And Bodie's kind of move to the middle, which was a very sharp move. To Smart the move. His ads were very centrist in a lot yes. of ways. He talked, it wasn't populism, but he talked a lot of, a lot of, a lot about middle of the road issues from education to crime uh, to putting the city back together. Yes. Very good even tone by him. And he's competing against someone who's a communications professor. So not only did, and she's done television and, you know, so She's good at at that, but he has improved substantially. Here's the thing: his war chest is sizably larger than hers. Oh yeah, 
And the thing, too, is that given that he has saturated the TV much more than Sharon Reston uh-huh. Broom has, if you're thinking about the Delgado and the Gissel voters, the thing that I think will be the challenge for Sharon Weston Broom is that she has kind of an evangelical bent to her. Uh-huh. Well, that kind of mindset will not play with the Gissel and the Delgado voters. Uh-uh. So this this is truly a swing vote. And you see, when you're talking about East Baton Rouge Parish... What is that percentage, though? That's it, together, what is that, about 16? 14. It's, okay, 14%. So that's a I 14. Mid-teens there. Yep. It is a crucial 14. See, the thing, too, that's going on, I very much agree with your assessment that East Baton Rouge Parish has been... With, with, with the exception of the plurality that David Vitter won in 2010 in this mm-hmm. parish, mm-hmm. East Baton Rouge Parish for a decade has been light blue. But part of that light blue has been you have a growing block of white professionals who have a more liberal mindset, mm-hmm. and they live in areas closer to LSU, and they're repelled by anything that smacks of white right-wing politics. Mm-hmm. So Bodie basically quickly ran to the middle with an eye towards December, I think he has a bit of a head start. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see kind of how the back and forth goes between him and Sharon now in these final four weeks. I think it'll be tasteful. Yeah. Uh, she will certainly conduct herself classy, and I think he will definitely as well. I think this one is, I said it this morning on Channel 9, I think our WFB, I think this is going to be about ideas because there's some major decisions coming up, and I want you to think about this. Mm-hmm. With a new Justice Department coming in, possibly with new department heads and and uh, the possibility of us finding out the outcome of the Alton Sterling investigation can be real. And, and what if it happens before the 10th? Everything about that will impact the mayor's race. Oh, absolutely. Everything. The thing about the, the runoff timing, though, having dealt with a few of those December runoff cycles, sure. it is brutal on turnout. In my opinion, you have two weeks to make an impression with voters because you start getting into Thanksgiving and the holidays and Christmas parties. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck trying to communicate anything to voters. Tell people how they can follow you on Twitter or Facebook or wherever. Certainly. my The name of my company is James C. Enterprises, also known as James C. Analytics and Polling. I'm on Twitter at, at WinWithJMC. James C. Enterprises is what I'm on Facebook. And I'd be more than happy to. Uh, and I consistently provide information of a nonpartisan nature on yep. my site. Yep. And I'll probably write something today. Yep. After I get a couple more hours of sleep, right? Yes, please. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to do the same thing. Let's let's plan to circle back together for next week. Sure. Uh, once we've had more time, <laughs> we haven't even had a solid eight, 15 hours yet to really digest a lot of this. Hell, hell, actually, not even 12 hours as we sit to record this. And, and circle back about some of the numbers. I can offer one teaser, though, for next week. Do it. So as of this morning, Hillary Clinton has an 100,000 popular vote lead over Donald Trump. Uh-huh. You've heard it from JMC first. <laughs> you have Western states like California, Oregon, Washington, and Colorado that are all mail-in voting. Yeah. Mail-in ballots take forever to arrive and even longer to count. Uh-huh. In other words, because those states voted Democratic the Democratic vote totals will increment probably by one to two million by Thanksgiving. So she's going to have a high, high popular vote win and lose the electoral vote. Correct. A la Al Gore. Yes. In fact, what was interesting about Al Gore, the night of uh, election night for back in 2000, yeah. George Bush technically had a lead in the popular vote. But as those votes from Washington and California and Oregon yeah. started getting counted, Al Gore slipped into the lead and he ended up winning popular vote by 500,000 when yeah. all was said and done. I would expect Hillary Clinton will probably be one to two million. Yeah. It's going to be something. So there's a good teaser to get into for next week. JC, thank you, brother. It's been a pleasure.
This is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick. And I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107 mobile app. This is the Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. Listen, if you haven't had a chance to, check out the Waiting Room Podcast with Mary Catherine Rodriguez, Dr. Mary Catherine Rodriguez, and Katie Fetzer, and hear what they have to offer. Their last show talked about social media and its impact on mental health. That's just, boy, they could have spent three days talking about that. But, you know, it's, it's a good discussion. Check it out on the Waiting Room podcast here at podcast225.com. Uh, I have an announcement about the 100th episode, working on something special for that. And I will let you know in a couple of weeks. That's about as much information as I'll give you. Thanks again, folks, for listening. For those of you who went out and voted in this record turnout election, that's the way to do it. And for everybody who didn't vote, you had no reason to complain today because you weren't a part of it. And if your answer is, see, my vote didn't matter, then, well, you know, fill in the blank there with some snarky, cynical, cheap shot. Tired today. I need some fuel. I'm going to go get that done. (laughs) And I appreciate you guys listening to The Clay Young Show here on podcast225.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.